On the Total Football Podcast this week, we'll be looking back on the last seven days of action as well as wonder what's gone wrong with the Premier League. To do so, I'm Declan Herrick, joined by Andrew Conway. Hello. And Matthias O'Flaherty. Hello. This week, I'd like to open the show with a rather simple question. By the time we record next week, the quarterfinal draw of the Champions League will have happened. So what draw would you love to see? I don't want to see Barcelona around Madrid yet. I don't want to see it at all. Well, that's if Chelsea... Um, can. Yeah. Obviously, I'm biased. Uh, I... In my heart, my head still thinks that Manchester United will beat Sevilla. Okay. So that'll be United in there. But then Sevilla, you know, United are still so bad that Sevilla could still do them. Uh, who else is there then? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, There's Real Madrid, Juventus. Juventus, Liverpool, Man City, and then obviously we don't quite know who's through this week. Liverpool, Juventus maybe, because they really hate each other. Well, Juventus hate Liverpool. Liverpool, uh, Real Madrid could be interesting. Yeah. They've had a few the classic Liverpool. ties in the last 15 Your years. Your has Real Madrid yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, the Liverpool tie, I'd love to see those. Liverpool-Chelsea, you know. Uh, Get all the old hits back together. Yeah, but I'd, one... That Chelsea team doesn't exist anymore. No. The animosity isn't there anymore. Yeah. And no. Same with Liverpool side. And Liverpool are better than Chelsea and have had the beating of Chelsea yeah. for a while now. Yeah, but they have had some cracking games. I wouldn't oh, yeah, they have. They have. They've, they've uh, as regular, as more recent Champions League rivalries go, theirs is as big yeah. as anything. Yeah. Man United Real Madrid as well. It was kind of a glamour tie 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, but now it would be a dour. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be, well, it would be dour because Mourinho was involved. I mean, I'd almost say get Juventus and Man United in the same tie so we can see some good football in the other three. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't be that hard. Man City, Barcelona. <laughs> right, that might be a little critical of Juventus. Man City against Barcelona. That would be... It would be unfortunate, that tie, because it would be, you know, quite, at the moment, two of the most informed sides in, the, in Europe yeah, playing that... each other at an early stage in the tournament. Still, that's a, that would be a better semi-final slash final. Yeah, yeah potentially. maybe. Uh, Liverpool Barcelona might be a very good game. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. I think that'd Liverpool be... against pretty much any. Okay, team, Liverpool should be United. Well, if, we if we look at it, there's not going to be who's in the quarterfinals now. There's no. There's potentially the ones that are left to qualify and the teams that are already there. There's no real dead ro- dead weights left. Yeah, like even the Shakhtar Roma. Roma. Well, Shakhtar and Roma, but that's the surprise package. True. True. Round where you know, like oh, this still, team could go far. Like they're. They're maybe not as good as the other seven teams in the, in the Champions League, but they'd still be quite good. They'd give yeah. a game they, to Yeah, they'd give a game to most yeah. of those yeah. teams left. Well, yeah. Right. Whoever, whoever got the... Saying that, whoever of the other seven got drew. Yeah, it would be a fortunate that try. It would yeah. be the favourites. You know? Which yeah. will be Real Madrid. Because they most, get lucky. Yeah. Most yeah. likely Real Madrid will be in the semi-finals. That's just how it goes. Yeah. But I... Well, my, my presumption at this point is Real Madrid playing Juventus, Barcelona against... Liverpool, Man United against Shakhtar. Yeah, Shakhtar do Roma. Yeah, I think so. Just so, because they had the upper hand in the first leg. So who does that give Just us for the last time? Play. And then who's left? Bayern. Bayern against who? Who will go through? So Bayern. Bayern are the are the understated team in this. Who have yeah? They've just kind of been forgotten. They've been forgotten, and they're, they're probably at least going to get to a semi-final. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're probably the third best team in the competition behind Barcelona and City. For I'd my put money, them ahead of oh, Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. For my money, I would uh, put them ahead of Barcelona. Barcelona, Barcelona are unbeaten domestically. Uh, Barcelona is the best team in the world right now. They are by far the best team in the world right now. I think Messi's the best they're, player in the world right now. Barcelona dominated Malaga for 90 minutes this weekend. Messi wasn't even yeah. in the squad. Malaga are like bottom. Of they the are league, bottom yeah. of the league, but Malaga, you know. This Amalga team that has been challenging for European places in recent seasons now they've hit a bad. Yeah, but they they ran they're out bottom. They basically the bottom for that the club. They are, but this was they are that, Spanish Sunderland. They are, yeah, but at the same time, that Barcelona side that played, you know, Barcelona's an aging side. They're at the end of they're on their downward spiral for a lot of the players there because you know PK is the even Jordi Alba's probably at his peak slash going yeah. down now, and you know obviously Busquets is getting getting on. And Messi, well, Messi is older. Iniesta is obviously gone at this point, or he's he's injured for the for the foreseeable future. You know that team is on the way down, but that Barcelona team is the new players they've been bringing through. Like Dembele is just technically is superb. He is very lightweight. Like if he if he put on a few kilos, like a fair few kilos, 
bulked up a bit, was a bit stronger on the ball when he had it, he would be up there, one of the best players in the world, I'd say right now. But technically speaking, his feet are quicker than Neymar's. He's more skillful than Neymar. Yes, he's in that team. The assists he made at the weekend for Coutinho's backheel goal, which is pretty special, and Coutinho had a bad game as well. He he still is growing into that side, but he uh, very similar to the Rashford goal, which I know we're going to come to when United played Liverpool. Yeah, where he cut in and then shot. But what what in in the case of Dembele, he stopped, he cut in and crossed for the tap in slash backheel yeah. for Coutinho. But what Ronaldo or Rashford do is they hit the ball with the back of their heel. What Dembele did was he took the stud, the furthest back stud on the on his heel, yeah, and he stepped on the precise stitching of the football to kill the football dead. So he had an extra second to pinpoint the pass. That is the difference between someone like Marcus Rashford and someone like Dembele. Yeah, it uh, wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea beat them on Wednesday night. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Chelsea will beat them on Wednesday night. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't think they'll beat them either. But I'd still love to see it happen. Um, yeah, well, you know that's fair this enough. this Chelsea team. You know, they're Jekyll and Hyde at the moment, but they still have the potential to beat any team on their day. You know, they do have the players in the squad. They don't have a centre forward. I mean, did you see that Olivier Giroud? He cannot score. Yes, yeah, Olivier they're... Giroud had a had the same expected goals as Huddersfield this weekend. Yeah, but, but like both of them scored zero like, goals. I yeah. think I think I think that's diverting from the point that um, Chelsea, as they showed the last leg against Barcelona, they don't always need a striker to score. And I think Barcelona, because they're such a good team, are almost a team that Chelsea are better off without a striker for. True. And I know I know Eden Hazard. I've complained about it before. Eden Hazard as a false nine generally doesn't work, but against Barcelona, it can. I don't know about that. Away from home at the new Camp, I'm not pitch. sure. I I think. Morata might be brought back into the side. Someone this. has to, because Eden Hazard does not have the pace to play as a lone striker yeah. running at that team. On yeah, I, can, on I completely balls. agree with that. Yeah. It's ridiculous having them do that. But then again, neither does Morata, neither does Giroud. And what are they going to do? Like, this is the thing. Stamford Bridge is a lot smaller area yeah. than the new Camp. They cannot play that compact game. It's been proven before that they can't do it. Chelsea did it once in their history. And they fluked it. And if it was one for Messi, had it not been able to take penalties, that would have never. You wouldn't even remember that. that you know that. Chelsea but if any team is going to fluke it again, yeah, but <laughs> it's not this Chelsea team because that Chelsea team had you know stuff going for it. Had experience on this. This Chelsea team is a team that is very, very slowly come. But like they put their foot on the brakes and they're coming to a nice, gentle stop before the end of the season. And they'll probably you know without being good in any way, they're going to finish fifth place because. The team in six is a hundred times worse than them, and the team in fourth is not, you know, just a bit better than them that they can't catch them. Well, to come into the news, Bournemouth were or Tottenham played Bournemouth. They won four one, but the big news out of that match is that Harry Kane might miss the rest of the season. And as you've said, Harry Kane or Tottenham without Harry Kane is not nearly as good as they can be. I mean, like there's a glimmer of hope there for Chelsea. Yeah, at the same time, like Loriente hasn't done too well at Spurs so far, but he's not he's a not bad. Get, yeah, but he's not even getting into squads. No, exactly. He's not a bad backup either. I think he will come good. And if you look last year, they were chasing Chelsea for the title. Harry Kane got injured for almost the entire end of the season. He came back for a couple of games at the end there, just you know, Scored to score nine goals. Yeah, yeah, to score as many goals as possible. But um, they won every game he was missing for. I think it was four or five games. Yeah, but that I, in in fairness to Spurs, at that point they'd already Spurs up the season, where they you know that was it. The Chelsea had won the league. They were, Chelsea weren't going to drop enough points for Spurs to ever catch them at that point. So it was like Spurs were playing exhibition matches. It's not the same as now. Saying that, like Spurs are going to set up in a different way now. They have all the focus on the league. They don't have any distraction for European or cup football. Really. Yeah, they're still in the FA Cup. They're still in the FA yeah, Cup, but, but the way Pochettino treats the FA Cup, I wouldn't see them being in the FA Cup for more than two more rounds unless something Well, they have a quarter-final this week against Swansea. Yeah, so they have an easy draw at the yeah. quarter-final stage. Easy, so so to speak. Well, Car- Carvajal is a good manager and he seems to be getting that Swansea team back playing and to some extent, like they're they're out of the relegation zone. Yeah. You know, that's... that's as, they're that, without the two... The Ayu brothers, though. They are, but I don't think... Like, Swansea don't care about the FA Cup. So yeah. they're going to go in... Not, they don't care. They're going to play reserve yeah, players. Yeah. Great, we get to have one of the suspensions over with. Yeah. That's how they're going to view this match. And Spurs are probably going to go in and like, okay, let's let's figure out how we're going to play without Harry Kane. 
And I don't think Laurenti is going to come into the squad. I think Son is going to be played as a kind of a false nine running, and then you're just going to have an extra man in midfield. And they're going to try and overwhelm teams like they did at kind of the beginning of last season when they had their good run of form then. And a bit during this season before they kind of became the kind of lumbering juggernaut they are now when they win in games through sheer pummeling. I mean, they're still a very good side without Harry Kane, you know? They don't, they're him. blunt. They're, they're a little blunt, but they still have a lot of players who can score goals. I mean, Eriksen can score from pretty much anywhere on the pitch. When's the last time? Okay, he hasn't he's done... He's got a, a consistent run. Yeah. Like, they're not goals... Like, Eriksen isn't a 15-goal-a-season player. Son is the closest ones they have to that. And how many does he have this season? Something... It's, I think he's in double figures. Yeah. But, you know... He's not someone you need as a first striker. Like, he's not someone you rely on to but, get you through games. But part of that is because of just how much of the shots Harry Kane monopolises. Yeah. You know, he but takes a lot of the chances without him. They're, they're entirely reliant on him. Yeah, but that's because in the same way that Ronaldo takes most of the shots at Madrid, yeah. that's why he scores most of the goals. Yeah, yeah but then Kane, we saw when, Real, when Ronaldo wasn't scoring, Real Madrid dipped in form. But that's because Ronaldo was still on the pitch taking the shots, ending the chances, yeah. you know? Whereas now Tottenham's chances won't end with Harry Kane. They'll end with Son. He'll get more opportunities to score. They'll end yeah. with Eriksen. They, He'll get more opportunities. An of course. Like, yeah. I expect their goals to go up. And I do agree, obviously, they're not going to replace the amount of goals Harry Kane yeah. scores. But it won't be as big a loss as some people might think it is. I, I take your point, and it is fair enough. And it will give a greater opportunity to more players in that top side to step forward and score some goals and get on the end of some of the chances they create. But the problem, and I know they did it yesterday. They won four one when they yeah, were losing. Yeah. When, were they losing at the they, time? Yeah, they were yeah. losing. Yeah. They were losing one 0 at the time when uh, when I Kane he, went off. I think injured. he actually scored a goal when he went off. Am I right in saying that? Um, he scored. Sure. I've completely blanked yeah. on it now. I, I remember watching the beginning of that match, and Bournemouth were just unstoppable. At them. they were taking Spurs apart. There, Davison Sanchez was left on his backside twice, including the goal. Like yeah. Bournemouth were very good, and they just completely ran out of steam. They it's like as if they came out too fast yeah. and weren't able to keep keep it sustained. And then Spurs kind of gradually grew into it, and then by the end, they kind of were trottling them over the line. That's how they got to four one. But you know the problem with Spurs is you're talking about Real Madrid and Ronaldo's injured or out. You maybe it gives opportunities to other players to come in and actually do something who are talented. Spurs don't have clinical finishers at all. You speak of Llorente, who isn't even getting into squads at the moment. If he goes back, he was never a prolific goal scorer at the that's, peak of his yeah. career. He was a crew, you know, a kind of that's link fair. player. But there's nobody else in that squad that like has a, a, a you know a finishing tendency to them. Son is closest to it. Yeah. And as we said, you can't be relying on him for everything. So who's the goals come in? You know, people will chip in here and there, but like Lamella's not a goal scorer. Eriksen's not a goal scorer. Tyre is not a goal like you're quickly running out of team players in the team yeah. like Sissoko Dembele like these players play so deep in that Spurs side at the moment that Kane is so far ahead of everyone else they all like they work the game they, they control midfield they press on the midfield and the defence of the opposition team and then Kane finds space and scores that's how they work Deli Alli who got two of the goals after Kane went off yeah they, there's yeah. an argument that you know, maybe just in time for the World Cup yeah. he can get into form and England be very pleased with that so maybe Daily Alley. Uh, but Chelsea play Tottenham on the first of April after the international break. That'll be that'll be the decider for fourth place. Yeah. I'd imagine. Well, it'll be decider, to keep it going. Yeah, Tottenham. Tottenham will have need to drop points for Chelsea. Yeah. To I mean, if Tottenham draw that match, they should be still. Safe. Yeah, it's probably yeah. That's, that's a must win game that, for Chelsea. For Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea, that's properly must win at yeah. this point. It's not even a case of um, we'll see once we get to it. It's like Atletico's game with Barcelona. We were yeah. calling it, you know. The decider for La Liga, yeah. Atletico needed a win. They didn't. Barcelona should have it sewn up. Yeah. It's pretty much the same with Chelsea yeah. in the top four. The thing is, though, they do also play Liverpool later in the season, but it could be gone by then. Uh, yeah, it exactly. will be. Yeah, yeah. Will and, be. and Liverpool as well don't look like they'll be in danger of dropping out. Yeah, you know they're not the team that Chelsea need to take points off. Yeah, while it may they are they are currently closer to to Liverpool, but I see Liverpool getting more points between now and the end of the season. Yeah, than their yeah. run is easier. Yeah, to it's be very fair to easy. They've played all their big matches now. Yeah, yeah like and, and of course you mentioned it earlier, they, Liverpool were at Old Trafford at the weekend. Yeah, the Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford first sure. first league start in the in the year, I think. Yeah, since January. Yeah, replaced and now, Pogba in the side. As Sky Sports News are pushing 
all weekend after the match, they were putting up graphics comparing the England strikers. This was before Kane got injured, of course. Yeah. Kane, I think, whatever, 27 goals or something like that, or 28 goals. He's in that margin. Yeah. And then it comes to Vardy, I think it's 11 goals is the next in 28 yeah. games. Scored a great goal the weekend. He did. Very good. Yeah. Very good goal, although I think it's been overrated, and I know we'll come to that in a while. And then the third player they listed was Marcus Rashford, who has four goals in 28 games. Two in this Ooh. match. When you look at him, that it's cold heart stats. Now, Sky Sports are bigging it up as in, oh, these are England's great yeah. hopes for the World Cup. But I think that's a damning statistic that they just stumbled yeah. upon. That even, I know you're saying he hasn't started, but he's played a lot. Yeah, he's come he's on as a sub a lot. 28 matches. When you're yeah. playing for Manchester United, when nine, you know, nine times out of ten you're playing against a weaker side and you're expected to be scoring goals yeah. and you're getting a lot of chances. And even as a player, especially like Rashford, who is quick, has pace, has good stamina, and it's thrown on in like 70 plus minutes yeah. against a team that's been run ragged, you'd presume. Was there an assist stat to go with that? No, no, but he's still there. The assists are nowhere. Like, there's no English player with good assists this season. Yeah. Outside of you know, Sterling, with a, who has a, a considerable proportion of them. But assist rankings for English players this season have been poor. Yeah. Where traditionally, you know, players, you go through them, like Drinkwater had a very good break yeah. there when he was at Leicester or even Wilshire in years gone by. They've just dried up entirely, and maybe another handful between them. Yeah, it's not good if these are going to be your starting midfielders, which is another problem we're going to come to. I suppose in the future. Yeah. Uh, but but what back, did you think back, of the, back to the match? Yeah, the match itself. Uh, I mean, I do think that um, it's 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 a bit of a smash and grab, but it's one that Liverpool should have seen coming a long way. I mean, I just think it's pretty damning to concede two goals in the first 20, what, 21 minutes? Yeah, the like Mourinho team. clearly spotted exactly. a weakness. I mean, it's against Mourinho team. You know, you know that whatever else in a big game, Mourinho is going to, for some parts of it, defend deep. You know? Yeah. I, I won't go the whole hog and say, you know, he's going to park the bus completely because I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's entirely what he did. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if you give him an opportunity like that, conceding two goals early on, he'd be mad not to, yeah. you know? I think, especially against a team like Liverpool, you know, who have had trouble breaking down packed defences. Yeah, like, there's been this whole talk about the Fab 3 and all this, but they, like, the only... I don't remember Dav De Gea making any save. Yeah, there was a lot of... I think what hurt Liverpool most in anything, because Liverpool were, were the better side, but of course, it doesn't matter being the better side. But like, they weren't even... Like, I they were the better side. They had more of the I ball, th- they had more chances. But I don't think them having more of the ball... Like, you know what Mourinho says, like, if you have the ball, you have fear. Yeah, and he's right, and that's why... I think Liverpool were very poor. Well, and that's was, why they lost. Was, like they had no the, way of getting the, through. Man the United. two goals that match it. Can we just talk talk about the two goals? Yes, yeah, yeah. they're good. Fin- both are good pinpoint finishes by Rashford. First well, you goal, get a bit lucky on the second. Goal. Yeah, well, we'll come to it. The first goal uh, it came from a Liverpool corner initially. So Liverpool had a corner. It goes to Virgil Van Dijk, or I think it's no. It was one that went the straight went, out. Yeah, sorry. Went so yeah, straight that was out. The second the one that I'm coming to. So corner came in, went straight out of play, goal kick for David De Gea. David De Gea launches it forward. Lukaku wins a header. On Lovren. On Lovren. And that kind of ends, that pulls Lovren out of position. Yeah. And then there's the players are there and the ball kind of gets luckily rolls through to Rashford. Yeah, and Rashford, a very good piece he, he of anticipates skill. it before Alexander-Arnold does. He, exactly. he was poor and it's, it's harsh to kind of single out Alexander-Arnold because he's a youngster. I don't know. <sighs> But he, he was... If you're in the team, you're in the team. Exactly. Yeah. If you're starting against Man United, yeah. you've got to be good enough. Joe Gomez, like, he didn't make mistakes like that. Yeah, I was wondering why he didn't play. It, or, even, or is the well, final Well, there's things to do with like, positioning shit, I don't on, think. The, on, um, on yeah, the team. I think generally Gomez is considered a more attacking fullback. Yeah. I don't think... I don't. I, I would be hard-pressed like to, to blame any player on that Liverpool side for the performance. Like, you... Like, Carrius no. might have been a suspect for the second goal, which I know we'll speak about. Well, I think the second goal, goal he's just unfortunate. Yeah, he I, is about to save think, and it's blocked. I think Liverpool left. were unfortunate on both goals because, like you said, oh, maybe Rashford anticipated it. But the positioning, like, the way it was, Arnold was in the right place for the win, for the follow-up of that header from the yeah. goal kick. But he couldn't have anticipated He was Lovren. just too slow. No, I don't think it's that. I, I think it's like, the way it went is... Lukaku was so clumsy he was completely right in the way he won it but he was so clumsy in the way he won the ball from Lukaku from the header kind of knockdown Rashford 
No, Lukaku winning the the goal kick and then Lukaku winning it. Yeah. And it kind of bounced. The way it went is traditionally, if you're a player facing back, so it was a long ball, Lukaku's facing his own goalkeeper. He's not facing Liverpool's yeah, yeah. goalkeeper. And he jumps and they you know they clash in the air and Lukaku comes out the victor and wins it. And somehow manages, while heading it back towards his own goal, manages to knock it back towards Rashford. No, but he's done this before. Liverpool. He has, but it was very clumsy and I don't think there was any mistakes made by any player that I think it was down to a bit of fortune good fortune and a good finish from Rashford the second goal was complete luck because of the way blocks went in but at the same time it was the same long ball launch it was, it was like they were. it was well played to get into the position and Rashford just yeah. gets yeah. fortunate with the finish which happens yeah. yeah but I feel part of it is because of Liverpool's desire to play such an open game you know um, they're ready straight away when Lovren and Lukaku are both going off for that ball they're completely fully expecting it to go back into yeah. midfield. Yeah. They're expecting to be pressing on the midfielders. Yeah. They're expecting they're already gone. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're half a step too quick. Yeah. True, you know? True. They're they've they've bitten down. And I think that is what Mourinho spotted. Yeah. You mentioned that he spotted something. I think that's if Probably anything. Why he started Rashford and not, yeah. you know, a slower player. I'd imagine further, so. Yeah. Further up the field, like starting Matt further up the field rather than where he did start him. Yeah. 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 And I mean like with all that said about Liverpool being the better team, you're that's kind of ignoring the fact that Mata should have definitely scored well, a third. The bicycle kick. Technique on the bicycle he did. kick as well. No, but I mean Man United could have been away with it completely. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think, you know, Liverpool they want to play football. Klopp's made that abundantly clear in multiple interviews. Yeah. But there are limits. You should especially against a Mourinho team, you shouldn't give them easy goals, easy yeah. chances. Yeah. Because they would love that. They love not having to have to create themselves because yeah, yeah. they're not very good at it for the yeah. most part, you know. Yeah, they're I don't think for these openings exactly because yeah. Liverpool's defense really has shored up recently, you yeah. know. And I think United would have been hard pressed to do much about it yeah. if um, Liverpool had been a little more patient, yeah. not being straight away trying to turn everything into you know their game, but kind of slow down a little bit more yeah. and I know th- yeah they were blunted then because United could afford to sit all the way back with yeah. all their men back you know at home yeah, which yeah. I don't think you know even Mourinho I don't think would have completely shut up shop at home for 90 minutes if they weren't winning 2-0 yeah, if, or, yeah exactly because you know the fans are happy you know yeah. you're winning 2-0 it's acceptable I think poor finishing really hurt Liverpool as well it did yeah we're talking about delivery from that corner initially that led to the first goal, but then there was other corners as well in the first half. Van Dijk had a few chances. There was just one. Salah had there was one major chance. chance for Van Dijk, and he put it wide. Yeah, like, that was the only chance I remember Liverpool having. Well, having. no, they were they were they were other than just long range shots. Yeah, but there were attempts really to plays and stuff though. They were they were creating things. It just the, the the shooting boots weren't there. There was a few incidents where you know there could have been a couple of penalties. Like I thought they were snatching at chances. Yeah, maybe it's poor finish. Like, like you said, Salah had that chance right at the death, and he missed a lot. Lost he the ball, lost the ball yeah. over but the I mark. think that's because he snatched at it. Like, because yeah. he was like, "Oh, this is closest thing to a chance that he's had." Yeah, and that's what happened, really. But like, Liverpool could be seen to be hard done by. Like, Eric Bayer did score an amazing own goal. Yeah, we have to bring that because <laughs> like it's his return yeah. from injury. His first start since like November. Yeah. Played very well. Fantastic game, yeah. But that uh, own goal was incredible. That match. I don't know if that Manchester United. Defence played that well. Valencia was caught up multiple times that match. I, yeah. For the first time in a long time, he was shown that... He, actually, he's not a right-back. Like, no, he's not. For all the praise for He's Ashley been poor the last few months. But all the, Ashley Young's got huge praise in that match for keeping Salah in his pocket, which I don't agree with at all. I think it came It's from just because Salah didn't do anything that the person that's perceived to be marking him will get praised. Yeah, but it, that's not what happened. Like, he yeah. was double-marked for the whole match. Like, McTominay would come in yeah. deep and cover, cover yeah. the space so he couldn't cut inside. So, you know, I think it's a misreading of the match, but Valencia was caught out multiple times, ball played behind him, and the amount of crosses that came in from that wing. But they never like, amounted to anything. No, they didn't, and that was kind of because there was enough bodies between yeah. the Liverpool players and the goal that it never could get a chance or get a shot away. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, I'm sorry, I also feel that um, United did kind of figure out Liverpool was attacking, you know, all of their attacking players a little bit. Because Salah, like you said, they had two people, you know, stopping him cutting in. That's how to deal with him. Because, you know, he's very like Aryan Robin. That's, you know, I don't want to call him a one-trick pony. Salah's got more to him than, you know, having to cut I mean, in Robin, all the time. Having Robin that one doesn't. trick, it doesn't matter. You know, exactly. Yeah, if he's amazing. But Salah's, Salah's isn't up to that level, you know? Yeah, not yet. As yeah. soon as, no, not yet. As soon as United had two people there, he was finding yeah. it very hard to get much yeah. going. Yeah. Um, Firmino is very much a player that plays off 
the rest of that attacking quartet. I don't want to say he's any worse than them because, you know, he can be very good in that combination. Mm -hmm. But I think he really does need need other players to get something started so he can find that bit of space. And I think Mane as well, you know, tends to thrive a bit on attention being diverted to Salah, you know. And I think he's been in poor form recently. Yeah, I've not been impressed by him lately. No, he hasn't had a good season. Like, he came back from injury and was a bit underwhelming and then all the attention so that he might have been getting last season kind of transferred to Salah I don't think he's recovered from that kind of he's no longer the number one yeah. finisher or attacker in the team it reminds it just brings up the point that like Liverpool they are missing just one player that player wasn't Coutinho I don't think they're missing something yeah their midfield so, just was underwhelming yesterday or Saturday it's like some I think like if if Liverpool had someone like Paul Pogba I think yes. that could be yeah. that could be an electrifying type of presence, and maybe like Naby Keita. I've watched RB Leipzig play like in the Europa League last week. Like Keita is very good. Yeah, very, very. He's a good signing. Very, yeah, but he's got leadership and charisma, charging his team, bringing yeah. them to the forefront. And you know, maybe that could be it for next season. Like this season is a write-off. Everyone's everyone's agreed. Like yeah. Man City have won the league. Yeah. So like the. We say that match was important for second place and it probably will give Manchester United second yeah, place. Yeah, it seems like Maynard has kind of secured top four at this point. Oh, they're definitely top four, top four for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, maybe second place, we'll see that United do have a, a tougher run in than a lot of... Yeah, they have Man City coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know, they're liable to go on runs of... Oh, they do have Arsenal in a couple of weeks, so... They do, but you know, Arsenal, you never know what Arsenal Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 it do, it's all kind of academic at this point. It doesn't really matter who finished second, third, or fourth. Yeah. As long as they're yeah. in that. Like, no one's going to remember that in five years' time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, what matters now is pinpointing the weaknesses. And I agree with you, Liverpool are only a player or two away from it. You know, yeah. I think, yeah, that the thing. Carries is informed now. Yeah, Carries you know, is you're much bigger. Yeah, he's done a lot better than Mingle yeah. was doing. Yeah. Van Dijk is an excellent signing. You know, like they're yeah. bringing through youth and at fullbacks in other positions. Robertson's a fantastic yeah. young player. Yeah, Robertson's one of the like low key kind of been one of the best yeah. signings of the season. You know, yeah, absolutely. They just have to kind of maybe reduce the importance of players like Jordan Henderson and yeah, yeah. or even just upgrading quality because Jordan Henderson's an okay player, but he's not. He's not Liverpool captain. Like, yeah, but that's he's, yeah. he can't be starting every single match at top level. Yeah, he is not. As he's not Paul Pogba, he's not Nemanja Matic. He's not Michael Carrick. No, you know, exactly, that's that's yeah. the player they want him to be. Yeah. That's yeah. not who he is. Yeah. And I mean, I really feel that that's the last thing Liverpool need to turn into. You know what what they've looked like they could be yeah. for the last yeah. little while. Yeah, to challenge. It'll be next season before we see it, though. Yeah, yeah. And then finally in the news, just PSG Real Madrid. PSG just so underwhelming again they tried to do everything they could to upset Real Madrid apparently they had uh, fans ultras outside the hotel the night before they refused a police to, escort a police escort to Real Madrid they were trying to intimidate them and then what did they do they lose their head they get a player sent off they're fouling they're missing chances galore Kylian Mbappe is trying to drag the whole squad with him yeah you know, Julian Draxler does the same when he comes on, tries to do it. He's on so late in the game as well. Yes, Honestly, did, yeah. did you see the pass chart between the front three in each match? They did this pass chart of like how many times Cavani passed to Mbappe and how many times Mbappe passed it back yeah. for all the front three. Yeah. And Cavani didn't pass to either of the other two strikers in either of the matches. Not it's, once. That's It's a kind of damnation on the whole... And it, on the whole structure. Because in, in Emery is a team manager... He is very focused on the collective. Well, he's out the door in the summer. So well, yeah, he is. It's like his ideas haven't reached any of them, or maybe he hasn't even tried because it's the, or, it's not the job. Like, yeah, quite simply, he's here. The players are on the pitch, and there's a Neymar between them that he can't get to. Yeah, uh, is Zidane what PSG need? No, no, no. I, I, I do not. It'll be a manager who's after maybe one trying to prove themselves at a very high level. Who you know a second a second string manager like maybe a Thomas Tuchel maybe a, a manager who's managed Champions League maybe someone like George Jesus at Benfica maybe someone like that yeah. who's been at a second string level for so long now that they want to move up to the next you know the big boys in Europe but I cannot see a top grade manager going it's, there. No, it's it's not a job for any manager who wants who wants to make a name for themselves even because I no, mean probably not like the problem. No, not Zidane. I, I, no. Zidane would not do a good job. Why not? I wouldn't be surprised if Zidane, if he gets sacked, just moves back up to the Real Madrid. See, that's, that's what I think. I don't think Zidane will take other managerial jobs, but 
why would why would he not be the perfect fit for PSG? Because he's because they might as well make Neymar player manager there, and he's from Marseille. That too. Well, okay, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't figure probably, that in. That's probably the bigger one. But no, we right seen now, no, right Zidane now. gets the players respect. He that's gets, what they need. He gets Real Madrid players respect. Yeah, you can't say for sure it'll transfer over. Ah, uh, he's Zidane. Like, yeah, Zidane, he's yeah, okay, Zidane. okay. Team like they they idolize him. Yeah, it probably would, but at the same time, like the problem at PSG is like you said Unai Emery's yeah. a team manager they're not a team yeah. they never have been a team no but ne- Neymar's never going to respect Unai Emery no, he's never going to want to respect anybody yeah. no he's never going to respect any manager he respected Luis Enrique or well maybe well, it was just Messi no he respected Messi yeah. you know maybe. he was willing to play until, second fiddle to the best in the world until the point where he didn't want to be anymore and that's where we are we're at a stage now where Neymar did all the right things when he went to Barcelona the first time he played like oh Messi's the greatest player in the world I'm here to learn. I'm here to contribute to. You know, he was a team player, and then gradually, as you know, his ego has grown and his importance to say the Brazilian national team or to his own brand has just grown astronomical. He's realized like I want all these things that I said I didn't want earlier in my career, and that's why he went to Paris. And that's why he's getting all the money in Paris. But you cannot do. It's not an individual sport. It's not tennis. It's not golf. You can't. Just take it on yourself and then you'll win everything. It's a team sport. You cannot win without your teammates, without 18 or 20 or whatever is in your squad. Because that's what it requires. Anyone managing... I'm managing PSG next season. I'll win the league on. I'll win the league in France. Yeah. That doesn't matter. It matters that you play one match, probably one to two matches a season that actually matter. And theirs were against Real Madrid this season and they were nowhere to be seen. The only players that came out with any shred of dignity from those matches were maybe Ariola, although he made a few kind of questionable decisions. Kylian Mbappe, who continues to be fantastic and a very exciting player, and he used to work hard to the 19th minute in both legs, even though they're both lost. Yeah. Apart from that, maybe, you know. Possibly Rabio. Rabio in the, first, in the yeah. first leg, and then maybe, you know, he kind of, but he kind of gave it in the second yeah, it didn't chunked it in. Wait, yeah, there's like, nobody the there that actually did. Like, Danny Alves was a disgrace in the second leg. Uh, nutmeg from, was it Asensio yeah. for the first goal? Yeah. Oh, it was glorious. It wasn't, it wasn't even, he gave he gave away probably two goals in that match. Yeah, like, two goals. From his yeah. mistakes. Yeah. But it wasn't even that. He was just, he was trying to do stuff which was selfish to his teammates. He wasn't doing what was yeah. best for his team. And he was trying to do his best for him to recover like some dignity from the mistakes he made yeah. and that's the reason that no manager will ever be able to properly yeah. enforce themselves in PSG because first of all Neymar's untouchable you know yeah. there's stories of him having a three day um, birthday party for his sister yeah. I think yeah. he skipped training he invited the manager you know he missed he a invi- cup match he missed a cup match I mean yeah. he's invited the manager to this too what can the manager do you know, yeah. he can't say Neymar, stop it! I want to see you at training. I want to see you yeah. playing. That's his because, boss, like yeah, exactly, be, exactly. Yeah. It's not his boss though. In yeah. real terms, yeah. you yeah. know, Neymar yeah. is the boss. Exactly, yeah. Neymar's in charge there. So you can't tell Neymar where to stop. Does that mean where does that line stop? Can you tell Verratti what to do? Yeah. You know, Verratti can just as well go and say, "Hey, I'm off to Barcelona. I'm not taking this. Neymar's doing what he likes." Yeah. And then you know, PSG, the hierarchy will come down and say, you know. You can't be saying this to Verratti. You know, he's too important to the team. Cavani, he's too important to the team. Mbappe, he's too important to the team. Who are you left with? You're left with being able to boss around the youth players, you know? Yeah. And the, then some the of them will be stringers. like, well, I'm not going to play, exactly. so I'm leaving the club. Exactly. I mean, no manager worth his salt will take over there. Unless he gets assurances, he'll be put ahead of Neymar. And no manager, save possibly Mourinho or Guardiola, will be yeah. given that sort of assurance. Yeah. Correct. So, other than those two... There's nobody, no big name manager going to PSG. Yeah, and say, like the the talk of Pochettino because he used to play. Like I'm sure he loves the club and everything. Like because he used to play for them, it would be like tremendous mistake in his it's career to go to, yeah to go to PSG because yeah. like it's not going to benefit him at all. No. He's not going to be able to like stamp his like style of football onto yeah. the team. It'll just be, you know, the same old, same old, indiv- a collection of individuals rather than a team. The same goes, like like you said, I, you're right, only maybe Mourinho and Guardiola have the cult of personality, have the clout in the game enough yeah. to maybe do that, but yeah. they're not going to go there unless no. they're crazy. Like, Mourinho could, but... I see Mourinho going there eventually. But why? Be- the same reason he, you know, if he Jim, falls out of Manchester United or anything like that, yeah. it could happen, but... 
you know, I don't see it as anything other than a last job for Mourinho because yeah. first of all, it's such a difficult one, and second of all, he doesn't have to prove anything anymore. True, you know, true. he's he's been there, he's done that. He went to England, won titles; Italy, won titles; Spain, won a title. Yeah. But now, know, then he can just add France to that list, and I think he is I going to that part in his I career. I think he will at some point later he down might. the line, but not at this point. Why would he even try to get into that? Like. <sighs> Yeah, no, I'm not saying he'll come in this summer. I mean, no, maybe he will in the future, but France yeah. France isn't the same level as those three countries, you know? Yeah, Germany oh, yeah, Germany yeah. even isn't, you know? I would say that the league in Germany isn't and hasn't ever been as prestigious, you know? Bayern are a big team, yeah. but I don't think that, you know, any well, of the other, you know, and like Bayern wouldn't hire him. And that's a different discussion. I shouldn't yeah. be getting into Well, they wouldn't hire him yeah. in this state. They might maybe in 10 years, you don't know. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, it's a different it's a it's a different discussion. And that will do us for the news. Join us after the break where we'll wonder where the excitement has gone in the Premier League. Welcome back. Uh, We're going to do our topic of the show now. And we're coming into what Sorax Ferguson used to always call squeaky bum time, where champions showed what they were made of ground out results to ensure that they got over the line. Yet this season, as we get into the final few games, it seems that there is nothing to play for. Man City are certain champions. The top four looks very set in stone, though Chelsea might be able to get something back. The bottom three seems to have at least two teams certain to go down. So where has all the excitement gone? It's, it's a funny little situation we're in because you can recall, if you can recall the 90s or the early 2000s, we had similar conversations. That we had no team can possibly win the league outside of at the time Manchester United and then whoever was the challenger Blackburn and then Ar- Newcastle and then Arsenal. Yeah, no one else was actually in the conversation to even challenge for the league, and that continued right up until when Chelsea joined that into a top three kind of situation in the mid two thousand and Liverpool maybe as well further on for a few yeah. years after that, and we had a top four until Man City joined, and then became kind of a top five. There was never any you know, opportunity for any other teams outside of those five teams at the most, at its largest, to win the league. So for the majority of the league, there was nothing to play for after a certain amount of time. Like This is before there were so many Europa League slash UEFA Cup places where there was like really there was no chance of winning any of the cup competitions. And a lot of teams would end up you know, petering out in the middle of the season. Like the amount of times you'd look at a chart and Athletic finishing consecutively seventh or tenth, <laughs> you know, year after year after year, or Southampton back in the day, or Aston Villa back in the day, and they're never really doing anything. Newcastle as well for a considerable period were like that. They weren't just weren't doing anything. They were finishing the league and that was it. Now we're in a different stage where tables like have been equalized. Like uh, we're, most of the teams in Premier League are playing on equal footing now. There is no big gap between what a Newcastle United can do and what a who's another team in the league that of, of similar comparability Southampton. as Southampton can do when traditionally Newcastle is a much bigger club than Southampton it's a huge city in the north of England one club city the main sport being, being football compared to a provincial town in Southampton in the south where there's a huge number of clubs in the area and now they're on equal footing and they're all kind of competing for the same players playing all playing decent styles of football not playing you know outrageously bad football or poor tactics or old school English football and basically the top the bottom 12 teams in the Premier League are nearly all identical yeah and a result of them being on the level playing field there is no kind of conjecture in there anymore there is no okay these are the worst teams they're gone or they're going to compete for relegation yeah and then they have the teams at the top and then the teams in the middle don't do anything now we have there's 12 teams who are all of similar level and now we can't really pick between them and it's kind of boring because we don't have contrasting styles and we don't have one team killing another team or one team triumphing heavily over another team yeah. or drama in there. We just have homogeny. Yeah, I'd agree with most of what you said. Um, I think it's worth pointing out as well that um, the two teams that sort of joined that big club, City and Chelsea, both fueled by outside money, you know? Yeah. That's and like at the level of the money's at in the Premier League now, that's not going to happen again. Nope. There's no, there's no entity on earth rich enough to jump another step. Yeah. There's no conglomerate big enough yeah. to match. It would only be another, money, you know, exact same exactly. situation, you know, another country or another, you know, 
oligarch level yeah exactly and i mean that's what it's going to take for somebody to challenge the top and again under that you're right and i feel like the biggest damage done by that sort of big block in the middle or at the bottom now is the fact that there's no sense of progression for teams Mm -hmm. you know there used to be teams oh give me stoke yeah for example stoke came up first season or two they're trying to avoid relegation and then they're and then yeah and then they're trying to get mid-table and then they're trying to, you know, aim Push for on, Europe. Yeah. And then they're back down again and they're trying to avoid relegation. And this year it looks like they will be relegated. Yeah. You know, that's sort of, there were three or four different stages for them to yeah. aim at. Now, you know, there's so many big teams that the European places are sewn up. Yeah. And God forbid it does fall out of the top, you know, I think it can't. The worst it can get down to is seventh. Mm-hmm. You know, seventh, that's one place for the other 13, 14 teams in the league because Arsenal upwards are going to take the other European places. You know? So there's not even the chance to see your team in continental competition. What have Leicester fans got to look forward to for the rest of the season? You know? Because they're safe from relegation. They're not going to reach... Like, they can pass out Burnley. That's it. I mean, they're not going to reach Arsenal. They're not going to get in the Europa... They might get in the Europa League by beating Burnley. You know? That's the the one thing. Or the Cup. You know? That's all they have to look forward to. It's not very exciting. And as well... Um, because of the right, differences in the playing squad now than they used to be, the English league used to be a lot more English, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't want to sound, you know, too xenophobic when I say this, but it does reduce your attachment to a club, yeah. You know, um, as a Chelsea fan, you know, I'm not English, but seeing John Terry, you know, at Chelsea, exactly, it's a little bit different than seeing the current captain, Gary Cahill. Who's yeah. still English, you know? Um, he's not from the club. He's not, he's not from, from the, the club, area. you know. He doesn't know. And even even Gary Cahill, you know, he's a better example of that than most captains at most of the clubs, yeah. you know. There's no a lot of the time with the more money in the with more money in the game, it feels less and less like they're playing to enjoy football and more and more like it's a job. Yeah. And you know, they feel like it's a job. They're working when they're out there. It feels like a chore to watch, you know. There's no there's when was the last time you saw somebody score a brilliant goal and go absolutely spastic on the sideline celebrating it? You know, it's you yeah, just, it's been yeah. some time, I'd say. Yeah, and I feel and I feel that contrasted with um, Italy, where you know the passing of Davide Astori, you know, it's obviously a tragedy. Yeah. But if you see how much passion there was around Fiorentina, you know, and they kicked the ball out in the thirteenth minute and just applauded for sixty seconds because that was his number. Mm-hmm. You know, they scored the goal and. Um, it was obviously, you know, credited to him. Um, at the end of the game, they're going around crying. That that was real. That was authentic. It was heartfelt. Yeah. It was heartfelt. Yeah. You don't see much yeah. of that anymore. Certainly well, not in the Premier no. League. Exactly. And the derbies, they've been over-commercialised. Sky Sports with Red Monday. and Rivalry Weekend. Rivalry Weekend. Merseyside Monday. You know, all of these. They It feels, it feels forced. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely. Feels, it feels yeah. pushed on you. It used to be... Like the big games, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, Arsenal, was where the best football would be. Yeah. Now, you know, it's where, it's almost, it's the same. You know, it's defensive. It's one big team attacking another and the other defending it. Yeah. But that's every game, every big yeah. team versus a small team game. You know, and you have said this before on the podcast. It's horrible to watch a lot of the time. Yeah. You know? Arsene Wenger has spoken about this recently as well. He was saying how most of the time it's a 70% team against a 30% team talking about possession yeah, yeah. absolutely like every match has kind of become that yeah and every there's match there's no variation yeah they all feel kind of the same whereas it used to be if you were playing Stoke Stoke were a completely different side to Southampton yeah you know because Southampton Swansea Swansea were known for playing you know positive football Stoke exactly. Would have exactly. exactly exactly throw in 40 yards you, exactly yeah. and there's something to look forward to it's different you know yeah. you know playing Swansea it's going to be a different experience to playing Stoke yeah. you know it's not all the same football thrown at you again yeah. because as good as football is to watch when it's the same over and over again it has been for the last two or three years now Not longer probably this probably point. longer just the Leicester season kind of well, if you, I it's a complete anom- anomaly. I was watching matches going back from like 2000, 2003, 2004 recently. I just happened to come across like prolonged, like extended highlights. And there was anarchy to the matches back then where today everything, and this progression of the game, the evolution of the sport that today it, everything's much more organized. Everything's much more structured. You have clear paths. Like it was structured back then as well, obviously. But there was a lot more players pulling out of position and doing things and 
frantic running up and down and just crazy things happening like balls breaking in the outside the the six yard box and players all throwing themselves at it and things like that today you don't see that today you see a very controlled defense and a very controlled defensive line and them each trying almost like in american football each of them having their game plans and trying executing them for a game uh, for a play and seeing what would happen and that's kind of where we are at the game and you know in contrast to like in spain or in Italy, where, again, they're very regimented, very tactically aware countries and always have been. The sport is a lot more varied. Like, when Malaga played Barcelona at the weekend, the bottom of the league playing the top of the league, Malaga didn't go out and try to blockade their box. Like, maybe they should have, as it turned out. They lost 2-0. But they played Barcelona. They created chances. They created had corners. They had, and from open play, they created chances because they were like, okay, they're going to play this way. We're going to play this way to try and counter it. In England, it's, okay, we're going to play our way, which is to shut down the game. And the other teams are going, we're going to play our way and shut down the game. Neither of them are actually working to beat the opposition. Very few of the managers are. Maybe Pep Guardiola, but he's more, he's more of an ideologue than almost any other manager in the Premier League. And, and to be honest, he doesn't, you know, he's very much, we'll play our game. And instead of, you know, we'll play our game and block them out, it's we'll play our game and hog the ball so they don't have a chance yeah. to hurt us. You know, Guardiola's football can be brilliant to watch, but it can also be a lot more defensive than people realise. Yeah. Because it takes completely the sting out of the game if he's feeling threatened. Because it's the best, the key to a, the, to, the key to a great offence is, is a great defence. Yeah. And that is Pep Guardiola's mantra. Even if you don't see him, he plays fantastic attacking football. But he gets it from control, yeah. from not letting the opposition have the ball not letting them have chances. You control defence, then you build from there. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the rest of the league is just kind of, without a structure, without a... It's cautious. It's yeah. it's very much every team in there. And it's it's grown, as you're saying. Like there, there's nothing happening in majority in the majority of the league right now because everything's segmented. We have the top yeah. six, and then we have the bottom 14. Yeah. And, you know, how many points, like, West Brom are fairly cut off now. But like you said, with uh, Stoke, it's only a few years since West Brom are in, in European places. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's it's funny, you know, how they've just, it's just their time. Like, they're not that awful, West Brom. They have good players. They have had good performances this season. But they're just that much, you know, they're down at the bottom of the league. Yeah. Like, we're saying, what were we saying at the weekend that... Uh, Southampton lost three 0 to Newcastle, a team that's close to them in the possession or in the table. Still not in the relegation zone. West Ham are still not in the relegation zone, aren't they? Um, no, West Ham are sixteenth. West Ham, are 16th. West Ham, yeah. West Ham are, they're, 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 there's we didn't even talk about it. How Mark Noble had to yeah. assault a fan because he invaded the pitch, and another player tried, to, another fan tried to do the Graham Sunes and plant a flag, the corner flag. Yeah. And in the centre of the pitch, and they were throwing coins at the at the people on the directors, the, owners, the yeah. directors and their families left in tears because of the way there were chants and the threats that were being <sighs> made to them. The fact that West Ham have engaged with the with the hooligans that are at the who come to the matches and try to communicate with them, which is not the good way to try and get them on. on yeah, side, like you know. Miguel Delaney published a piece last week that was it was a very long piece, very thorough piece. Absolutely fascinating what's going on at West Ham. Like they're just such a mess. Like the between the way that they they secured the stadium deal with the Conservative Party in power at the time, yeah, the to get the Olympic Stadium to take it on for themselves and everything they've done since then to grow the brand of West Ham, putting London on their crest, crest instead of you know Hammers or instead of Upton Park, you know it's it's a very uh, it's betrayed a lot of what the fans think the West Ham stands for, but then at the same time, like what are the West Ham fans doing with? They, oh, yeah. Like maybe they see it's the only thing they can do, but then at the same no. time we're talking about them about the league and how homogenized and how you know samey it is. West Ham aren't in danger. Yeah, yeah. Like as and, awful as West Ham are, like if they stay up, it's really just a disgrace to the teams that finish below them. Yeah, and I mean I feel as well. Um, like this, this, this is the first of all. It's definitely the wrong way to go about it. And I, yeah, I do agree that West Ham fans have some you know genuine complaints. But this, you know, it's a complete wrong way to go about it. But a lot of that talk about building the brand, you know, football is, football's always been about money. Yeah. But that's more transparent than ever now, I feel. Um, it's a lot easier to see, I mean, how many owners own a football club to make money? 
A lot of them. Almost. A surprising so. amount. Almost. Even Swansea at this point now, I think the majority owners are not the fans at the moment. Yeah. It's only 49% yeah. fans. Yeah. They were the last bastion. Like Arsenal were for, for a very long time fan owned. Chelsea were under Ken Bates, who, whatever Ken Bates was. Um, Chelsea were technically. That was separate. Yeah. Fans on the pitch and the Ken Bates on the club. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, that was a weird situation. But yeah, like Liverpool was. Yeah. Was owned for fans until Hicks and, G- and Gillette came in. You know, the older ownership was there for fans, but like in you can't even think. I can't even think of one club in the top flight anyway that is owned by the fans, operated in the best interests of the fans, not in the best interests of the commercial I mean, ventures of the club. Yeah, possibly, possibly Brighton, who are owned by a millionaire, who but one based in Brighton. You know, lived yeah. in the town, owns a rugby club there, and is genuinely passionate about Brighton yeah which well, it is being run for profit like they yeah. did move to a new stadium for profit they did buy you know they have sacked managers because yeah for, you know relating to performance not not relating to the actual football they play in yeah I think the Brighton's owner argument there would be they're they're only looking to make money to ensure the football club continues True. growing but I'm but sure yeah. that's the argument that all exactly yeah make, um, to try and like Oh, why did uh, Sam Kroenke pay himself a several million pound dividend last year? Yeah, you know yeah. when he did nothing for the club. Yeah. No, but yeah, that's 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 part of the problem. Like, and um, the Premier League is the worst case of that as well because yeah. there's so much more money in it. Yeah, and for now, even yeah, and even that's sort of the best you can hope for as a Premier League fan right now that your club's owner likes the football. You know that he's not just there for the money; he likes the football as well. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's just leading to a disconnect. Um, huge ticket prices aren't helping. Um, I saw Notting Forest recently actually came in with a great uh, move on ticket sales. Season tickets for under 12s were £10. For between 12 to 18, I think, were £50. And for 18 to 23 were £100. And it's great to see that, you know, local kids can watch their club and that doesn't stop the second they turn 18 you know it's still affordable for college students you know and theoretically you know that continues then once they have a job and the tickets are more expensive they can actually afford them you know which is nice to see because at the moment the only people who can afford them are people who come in once every now and again so tourist fans who absolutely have a right to be there but you know do detract from the atmosphere and older fans who generally have watched the club for a long time but I mean they're not going to be there forever. You know, they're you going know? out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the, the average age of a football fan is getting... Yeah. Aging, yeah. yeah. Interest older. in football is dropping among younger people. Yeah. That's what's happening now. I don't know, is that unique to England and Ireland? You know, which is what we'd know best. Yeah. Possibly, that's probably different in Germany. Because tickets are affordable there. Yeah. Clubs are almost always fan-owned, with yeah. one exception, RB Leipzig. Yeah. Um, and I- Italy and Spain, you know... They're fifty well, fifty between yeah, the Italy two. Yeah, Italy have had uh, um, have problems similar yes. problems similar with age demographics right. and getting young people into the stadia. Yeah. Like Juventus had awful problems. Yeah, they just like they they saw their age group, age base just ex- get very old because nobody wanted to go to Del Alpi for twenty years. Yeah. their old stadium. That's why they built a new stadium yeah. to get young people back in, and it has worked for them to an extent. But in other places in Italy, football is an old man's game. Yeah, and I mean really. Rugby is taking over in some places. Yeah, you know Italy definitely. Rugby it's experienced resurgence. Yeah, along with other sports. Yeah, um, Italy, um, England rugby is apparently more and more popular amongst younger ages. Um, Ireland, I know, um, definitely a lot of. It's growing. You know, yeah. It's definitely growing. Um, there's just, you know, football isn't quite as it's the universal game. It's you know the world's game, but it's not. Completely unpassable. Yeah, you know? it's not infallible. It's, it's not. It's exactly. not a where it can never be overtaken. Exactly, especially when it's so dour to watch a lot of the time. Yeah. And really, if you look back, um, when was the last time football had proper major rule changes? Ninety two. Ninety two. Yeah. The offside. Um, um, the and the, the back, back pass rule. Yeah. You know. And they're not even that. No, they weren't even that dramatic to the game. They did did create a bit of changes, but you know. You're going back to the 20s before then for any major yeah. changes. Yeah, but I think the back pass rule especially improved the game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they need to look at that again. Are there some rules we can change to make it better to watch? Because to be perfectly honest, you know, that might be what football needs. And I know we've talked about Marco van Basten's proposals 
uh, previously. Ban offside. Ban offside. 60 minute matches. 60 yeah. minute matches. With stop clock. With stop clock, yeah. Uh, um, two players in, in a the certain... substitutes. Yeah. yeah. Extra referees. Yeah, sectors. No, and some I mean, of them are good. Like, he kind of just brainstormed yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah they're interesting know? to think about. They're interesting, yeah. yeah. And there's, def- there's definitely some ways that football can be brought forward. Because at the moment, it's too tactical. Not innovative enough because if you look back on what you you know your biggest football memories it's those little moments where a player does something brilliant yeah you know when generally something unexpected happens, exactly generally happens that's what we love that's that's why attacking players are worth more than defensive players yeah. because they're the inspirational ones and that just doesn't happen anymore yeah you know Eden Hazard should be the most electrifying player in the world because he might be the most talented but he plays that way. Every single yeah. time he gets the ball, you feel he can do something. Yeah. But 99% of the time, nothing happens. Yeah. Because it's, it's stifled. Because he's got 10 players to run through. Because... The system. Because the system. He's asked to start from too far back. You know, yeah. it's just... It doesn't feel as special anymore. And rugby, again, I've brought it up a lot. Because I think it's a very well-run sport. They made rule changes um, a they year and a half ch- ago. They make them constantly. They make them constantly. To adapt to the yeah. Game. yeah, and they made them a year and a half ago to change how the game works. And now it's quicker. You know, the ball is in play a bit more because apparently, you know, it was stop. It was too stop starty for the world governing organization. Mm-hmm. So they decided, you know what? We change this. We change this. The ball will be in play more. It'll be you know quicker. New fast paced right up. Yeah. And exactly. Down, you know? It's much higher scoring. Yeah. It's much higher scoring than it was. You know, there are on average more points scored since the rule changes. On average, the ball's in play more often. It's a better game to watch. Yeah. You know, that's good. That's what we want from football. Yeah. That that's what might be what it takes to get the Premier League, you know, exciting again. It'd be exciting, yeah. yeah. We don't know. It's certainly not been exciting this year. No, no, this is one of the more forgettable years, I think. But that is a good place to end the topic of the show. Join us at the end of the, at the, end of the break for Guess the Player. Welcome back now as we close the show with Guess the Player. Matthias, you did a pretty good job explaining this a couple weeks ago. Go again. Okay, so Declan's going to throw out a bunch of names. They are all former players. They all have a player in common. That is, they've played with a player at whatever club. So Declan knows the actual player. Uh, and I've done a terrible job explaining this. <laughs> so we're going to guess the player. We're going to guess the player. We're going to guess the player. List the players, Declan. Trevor Francis. I'm really happy with this one. Caroline's Rubenega, Marco Tardelli, Frank Stapleton, Roberto Mancini, Walter Zenga, Niall Quinn. Okay, so it's someone. It's Klinsman? It's not Klinsman. No, it was that to be too. He's too young. Walter Zenga. And so we're looking young. at probably a player who's played in Italy and played in England. Trevor Francis. Um, Trevor Francis go to Milan at some point. Yes, he did. Did, did he? he? Wasn't he the guy who talked about the Weedabix or the Cheerios? He had that quote. <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh Shows yeah, and apparently they went and signed, or they wanted to sign that Liverpool winger. Which Liverpool winger? The. I'm not sure. Oh, and they signed the wrong player. No. I remember that happening with. <sighs> I, I think there's a different. I think maybe, maybe the two. Maybe. Okay. Give yeah. us a clue there, because yeah. He won an FA Cup and two Serie A titles. So yes, England and Italy. Okay. Um, FA Cup. So at that era, we're looking at who won the FA Cups in the late seventies. Arsenal won one. Ipswich won one. West Ham won one. Liverpool won one. That's four teams. <laughs> Yeah, the late seventies. Yeah, so uh, one of those teams, Liam Brady. It is Liam Brady. Yeah. Well done, Liam Brady. Yeah, so Liam Brady played with Arsenal. Trevor Francis. Who did he play with? Trevor Francis with? Uh, I've forgotten now. West it Ham. A, it, oh, it was. I think it might have been West. He did play at West Ham. He played Brady. West Ham yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going into Italian ninety, played at West Ham. Uh, so he played with Zenga at Juventus. Juventus. Yeah. Yeah. He also played for Inter and he played for Samp, I think, as well. In, in um, I want to say he definitely played yeah, for Samp, yeah, uh, in 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 Serie A uh, before he returned to because he was Caroline's roommate. It was Inter. Well, 
That was that was an interesting one. Yeah, I just Liam Brady popped into my head, and you know, he's just what a hero, Liam Brady, on I the RTE panel. I feel that this, forever and ever. I feel that this guest the player was pitched a little bit too far back. Maybe but Liam Brady though. Yeah, that, that I it's wouldn't a, have gone that far back. Not, it wasn't for Liam Brady. It's not Liam Brady exactly. That's the problem. It's the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, true. maybe. But look at look at some of those names there. You know, Karl Hans Rummenigge. Who I know for being an executive of Bayern Munich. Exactly, you know, Niall Quinn. Niall Quinn. When did he play with Niall Quinn at Arsenal? Niall Quinn's Irish. Oh, an international, yeah. Niall Quinn surely couldn't be playing before Italian 90. He was. Niall Quinn was, yeah, he played in Euro 88. Which uh, Liam Brady missed through suspension, I believe. Yeah, and then he wasn't picked for Italian 90. Yeah. Well, he came out of retirement... Like he went, he retired. He did the what's last I was thinking of doing. He was like, "Oh, we've qualified for the World Cup. I suppose I'll throw they my brought him. They hat into the ring." That was a mistake, not bringing. Him. Right. They got to the quarterfinals that year. So though, now, fairness. now that we've recapped the end of Liam Brady's international career, yeah, just I just want to his ha- famous honor quote, the man. of course, is if uh, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> was that that was Liam Brady, the Celtic manager? manager. Surely no, that was around before it. that. Oh, it was. Okay, but yes. it, he said it in the post-match interview. We're saying what if something see, happened see, this, this is what we're missing in the Premier League these you know? days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that definitely. character of Liam Brady. I, I still believe we've yet to replace Louis Van Hal. We've we've le- we've yet to replace original Mourinho. True. Ah, True. I feel like Louis Van Hal is the best 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 we've had since. Character we've seen in well, a long time. Well he did dive on the touchline last season. That was the, that was that was one of my that, that was, was one of the best moments of. Yeah. in <laughs> a season <laughs> that had a lot of them because that was the year Leicester won the league. Yeah, it was. Um, but that will do us for the show this week thank you for listening and uh, thank you you two for being here thank you uh, email us at the tfpod at gmail.com and follow us on social media at the tfpod uh, please subscribe rate and review uh, at whatever podcast provider you use and spread the word about the show to friends and family or just your neighbour or whatever literally what anybody your homeless man on the street you know cheer him up tell Joe if you know Joe yeah, if you tell, tell if you know Joe, yeah, or Mark, tell Hi, him. Mark. Yeah, what's up, Mark? This is for you, Mark. And uh, so, once again, thank you, the two of you. Thank you again, Declan. Thank and you. Uh, thank you for listening.